Good evening. Welcome to Monday Night Bible Study. Hey, you guys know that this is the um, this is the 25th year, so we're going to have to have something some kind of special by uh, July called the 25th anniversary or something. You guys be in for that? I don't know what to do about it. 25 years. Thank the Lord. Anyway, something silver, right? Yeah. Okay. Hey, we are uh, we're getting near the end of chapter one, which uh, we're in the midst of a prayer. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you were just a kid, right? You were just kidding. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, as put it with the, in the words of uh, Martin Lloyd Jones, he says, "We are about to enter the sublimest chambers of the palace, where the exceeding riches of God's grace are stored." Do you like that? I wish I could put words like that. <laughs> anyway, Paul is ready to tell us about how exceeding um, God's great power is, <laughs> and God is exercising this in His believers. And it goes beyond anything that we can understand. But we'll try to get it up as far as we possibly can <laughs> in our finite minds. But Paul is praying that they would advance in the, their depth, uh, in their understanding, and their knowledge and comprehension of what the Christian life is about, who God is and what all He has in store for them and what He's given them. God's great plan is that one of them anyway, one part of it is that we would be put into the image of His Son where we would be able to glorify Him in a way that would be fulfilled. That's the ultimate hope of our calling where we will not be uh, inhibited in any way by the flesh and all the other enemies that we have to uh, go up against constantly. Uh, eventually, we, will, we have uh, that eternal destiny and glory of the believer being fulfilled in, in its completion. We still have our bodies that we deal with, but the fullness of that hope is going to be experienced when we receive the supreme riches of His glory, which we already have, but yet we're still looking to the fulfillment of it all, the inheritance of the saints. So this, this is too magnificent for words as uh, we, we look at this great prayer that Paul has. So he wants us to know the character of the inheritance. We are to have a glimpse, kind of like what Moses did at Mount Nebo. Uh, as, he, as he looked there before he died, he saw the promised land there, saw the riches that God had for them. Well, we, we get a, a much fuller glimpse in a, in a spiritual way looking at God's Word. But it's the, this is kind of like a highway to holiness in the sense that um, when you have before you what He has done, is doing, and what He will uh, continue to do, you have something that is worth really shooting for. I mean, and, and what better thing to know than we will see Christ as He is, we'll be like Him, we look for that, that time of glory. And that's why in Colossians 3, 2, that He says, even now we're to set our affections on the things above. That behooves us to live our lives uh, worthy of Him here now. And that's why in Ephesians 4, that kind of thought will be brought out. But just meditating upon His glory. And that, that prepares, um, or He has prepared for us all these things. So Jesus' greatest prayer in John 17, for us, in the sense that we would see Him in His glory, as He is in His glory. We'll, shoot, uh, we'll be perfect without blemish. I think of that John 17:24, where uh, he intercedes the great intercessory prayer. He says, "Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me." For you loved me 
before the foundation of the world. He wants us to experience His glory. What a, what a prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this day. Thank You for the time that we gather together. And may it be something that is helpful to all of us and edifying as we would have a little bit more of a glimpse of Your great glory and then see what You have done in our lives and are doing. Your great power is is something indeed. And it's all about You. And so we, we focus upon You, focus upon Christ who is the one who made it possible in His actions and then the Holy Spirit, of course, coming into our lives and making that change in us that we don't necessarily see that inward working uh, but you are always doing uh, a great work in us and that is a powerful thing and as we uh, meditate upon that may it bring glory to you in your son's name amen let's read um, well let's read this starting at 15 Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that's what we talked about most of the time last week, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. We'll stop there because I think next week we'll have the rest of that. We'll end the prayer there because it ends with chapter 1. But um, Paul, in this great prayer, is not so much praying that they would get more power. Uh, The power has already been given to them, but that they would know the power of God as He's working in them. The, The object in this whole chapter is to give us assurance, for one thing, that's one of the things, and certainty that uh, that uh, Christians would have confidence in God, total, absolute confidence. And so Paul emphasizes the power of God in them rather than the power which God gives to the saints. It's not that he doesn't give us the power, but he's emphasizing the, the power of God as he's working in us. What kind of power is that? Well, he, he will uh, explain that as, as he goes on in this, this great prayer. What a prayer. What a prayer. Uh, we we focused on this Father of glory in 17 and the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that the eyes would be enlightened, that we'd know the hope of uh, this calling all the way right on into um, the time when we are, are glorified, uh, the riches of the glory of His inheritance and in the saints. Uh, of course, a lot of that we spoke about in uh, verse 14, that inheritance That's something that uh, is to come. That's reserved in heaven for us. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. We're guaranteed that. Then he says in 19, he wants us to know about that, but then he says he wants us to know about the power that's working in each one of us. There's a mighty power that is happening here. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of His mighty power. A lot of words here that really stick out, uh, and you you, you can't miss those. Uh, They are superlatives. We'll get to those in a moment. But salvation is a way that God puts on display His power, isn't it? When He takes a dead man spiritually and brings him to life. 
like that's happened to us. For that to happen, there is no way that we could have helped him do that. It was all his power. We had no power. We were dead. So salvation is the result of God's power at work in me, in you, through us. And the Word of God came to us. It was of no value unless it came with the demonstration of this, the power of God, the Spirit of God. We know Paul said that that's the way that he wanted to come. He didn't want to come with just persuasive human words, but he came with the demonstration of the power, the Spirit of God. Look in Romans 1, uh, 1.16, that famous uh, verse dealing with, um, I guess you could say, the Gospel. This, this is how it came to us. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For what is it? It is the power of God to salvation. It's so powerful. It brings salvation. It brought life to us. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. That sparked what we know as the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther clenched onto that. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God. So, anyway, the power, it's so powerful. It, uh, it gives us salvation. That's, that's one verse. Go to 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Paul relates that to them as he writes a letter back to them. They had, uh, he had started the church there. Writes a letter back and he explains kind of what happened. He says uh, in 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. They, uh, they brought the gospel to them. didn't come in word only, just uh, fancy words, but it came with, with power. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, two together, a powerful combination. Ephesians um, 2.10, as we know the, the 2, 8 and 9, and then we sa- it says that we are His what? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. He is the one that... Uh, worked this up. His workmanship. Another one is uh, Philippians one six. He is faithful for the work that He starts He will complete, right? Being confident of this very thing, that He who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Christ comes up. He is completing it now. He's he is working in us. And then finally we get to that, that point. But he, he, he begun it, and He will make sure that He will complete it. Well, that's a security verse if I've ever seen any. Matter of fact, you read through all of these, and you can't help but see security all the way through. Constant. It's because God is doing the work, isn't He? Uh, I think Philippians 2, 13. Oh, yeah. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. It is God who works. So that we keep seeing that word pop up. Work. Work. God works. God's working. Colossians 1.29 That's something to think about. God is working in your life. Little me. To this end I also labor striving according to His working which works in me mightily. That sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Working mightily. There he is. He's laboring. He's striving. He's reaching out as far as he can trying to get to that finish line. And he's saying, but God is working in me in a powerful way. That's, this is alive. 2 Corinthians 5.17 
This is uh, the New Corinthian, or New New Creation verse. New Corinthian, New Corinthian leather or something. Else? <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of any uh, Corinthian churches? I'm sure I've been they exist. Yeah. yeah. Five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What kind of power does it take to make an old creation? The, the, God brings life. You know, the, you think of the creation that he did. That's powerful, isn't it? And now he says we are a new creation to bring to life his working. Ephesians 2.1 Hey, we'll be there in a couple of weeks. And you, he made alive. Now, I have that italics, but it uh, certainly means that. And you, he made alive. Quickened. Quickened. It probably was very quick, wasn't it? To quicken, make alive. Who were dead. I mean, that's that's an extreme opposite there. To to be made alive. So that takes a mighty work, a mighty power. It takes supernatural power. It, take, it What does it do? It takes the power of God to make a Christian. It's simply saying that. It's all of God's power. We don't see anything in there where it was our power. It's all God's power. Now, let's look at the superlatives. What do we have here? Well, you see one in verse 19. And what is the exceeding, exceeding greatness? Right? Exceeding greatness. It isn't enough for him simply to refer to God's power. He's got to call it what? The greatness of God's power. But it's not just enough to call it the greatness of God's power. He has to then bring out the surpassing greatness of God's power. Those are superlatives. The best part is the power is not some kind of abstract type of energy here that really is just some kind of a, a theory. But what it is, it's, it's not what God can do, but it is what God is actually doing, or he actually does. So it's uh, not something that he, he it's possible for him to do, but he is doing this exceeding greatness of his power. Hmm. Uh, I like this word, exceeding. I have um, on your sheets there a lot of key words that are in there, that those superlatives. And this one, kind of have some fun with, because I think of sports on this one. Because when you think of ball, what do you do with a ball? What do you do with a ball? You throw it, right? Well, that's what this means. And hooper means over. All right. Um, or beyond, right? To throw beyond, to throw above. Um, there is a uh, another similar word. Let's see. Here we go. How about anybody want to venture to see what that word is? Who said parable? Parable. Yeah, parabolo, which means. To throw alongside. So when you have a parable, you throw alongside, right? God's uh, heavenly truth, the uh, truth that's something or that, that we relate to here on the earth. This is the same word, to throw alongside. Here is to throw above, beyond, to throw over. It, it, it goes much further. It's beyond measure. It, it's surpassing. And you might even have that word, surpassing greatness. Have that in translations? Surpassing greatness. So throwing beyond. It, it surpasses our our power of understanding. Uh, it surpasses our comprehension. <laughs> we, we cannot understand this. It's exceeding, exceeding 
greatness. Exceeding greatness. Of what? Of His power. And there's that word here. Probably everybody knows that one, right? That's our English word, what? Dynamite. So the word, the power word there is dunamis. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? can blow things up. Pretty powerful. Uh, the next word is working. The seeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working. And I, that is energia, which we get our English word energy. energy. So we've got dynamite. We have energy. These are fun Greek words. Our English just takes right out of there. Transliterations, basically. Now you have another word that uh, we may not be familiar with, but uh, it's dealing with mighty um, strength. You might have that uh, that word there. Um, this may not mean anything to you, and that's okay. But that's that that's just might. Uh, this is strength. Okay, we have dynamite kind of power. We have energy here. We have might here. I mean, he's using every word that he can think of that would be explosive with energy, uh, power. This working, need to go back to this, this energia, because what it comes down to is it's efficacious. That means it, it will be done. It means to be operative, that it is working. It's not some kind of energy that's just lying there and not anything happening. It's something that is um, when, like our salvation. And the grace that works in us is efficacious. Our, you know, our election is something that is efficient. That it, uh, it uh, will, it is, it is true. God has done that. So anyway, dynamite, energy, um, might. Oh, what's another one? Power. Another power word here. This one is iskus. Probably don't know what that means, but it means. Uh, Ability of power, or um, some kind of power that that's endowed with, endowed with power, the exceeding greatness of His dynamite power toward us who believe, according to the working or the the energy, right? That's the operating there of His might. It's that word there, which is a strength that overcomes. So these words are very close, aren't they? But with a little bit of nuance, a little bit uh, different things to to uh, to work with. If you have this, it means there are going to be things that come up against it, and it is always going to overcome or to have victory over to conquer. So it's a it's a it's a strength word, but uh, it overcomes it or uh, it conquers, and this is uh, some kind of an endowed power. Or, or ability um, that's there so they're all, they're all related yet uh, they, they work together and uh, Paul is using the uh, highest words that he can use to show what's happening in our lives uh, what other words can you imagine I mean you could take all the dictionaries and all the words in the dictionaries that are related to this and after a while your mind just numbs because I don't know how much power is working in me. This is incredible. He, he brought me to life when I was dead, and now he's working things in me that I don't even have any idea what's going on. And he, he's constantly doing it, as he does all of his people. So, a good way to say it is this. Paul is saying that the eternal might and strength of God's power is exerting it's your energy itself in overcoming all the obstacles and resistances that come up against it. Ah. So not only is it powerful just to be power and to work in us, but we have enemies that come up against our living the Christian life. And we have the source to draw upon all the power that we'd ever need to conquer as he's working in us. Shouldn't be. Theoretically, we should never... <laughs> no, we should realize that yeah. we, don't, we, don't have yeah. to, we don't have to stay there. 
Isn't this what Paul uh, is wanting to stress to the people? What confidence you could have if you knew really the great power that God is working in us. So, I don't know. It's I think our minds boggle over this and, and real. I think this is just a stu- stupendous magnificence that uh, has been brought out by Paul and bringing out the, the majesty of it all. It's incredible. Think of all, all the great... Uh, all the movies that are made that, that show you all the power that's in them and whether it be the, the superhero movies and all the power that they have. And it's still, they still fall short of what this power is, doesn't it? <laughs> A plug for Iron Man coming up, right? <laughs> Superman is Superman stronger than, than Iron Man, though, right? What do you think? Yeah. Good to be. <laughs> yeah, but Superman was born that way. Iron Man had to do his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you look at this section, we, you know, starting from verse one, but especially when we looked at um, verse four, talking about him choosing us, and then verse five about predestining us. Uh, and all about the glory of His grace, and we see God doing everything. All of this is just just uh, something that's beyond our understanding, but we know that He's done it. And how we came to believe is according to His power. The greatness of His power. That's how we came to believe. And um, by the way, in verse 19... My translation has according to the working of His mighty power, according to... It's okay. But from what I understand, there is something that's even a better translation. The word here would be in consequence of, or by virtue of, or maybe easier to render here would be on account of. Let's read that in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe... How are we going to read this? On account of the working of His mighty power. On account of His mighty power. I don't know if you can tell the difference or not. Uh, Do you guys... Do a lot of you have according to? Does anybody have account of? Mine says accordance with. Accordance with. Basically about the same, isn't it? What what he's um, trying to bring out here is that from beginning to end, it has been on account of or by the virtue of God's work, His exceeding greatness of power to us. The moment we believed in Christ, whether we knew all this stuff or not, which we didn't, and we're still trying to learn, but even at that time, all that started happening. And, and we knew some things. But Paul is, is wanting to know, wanting people to know, even brand new believers, that this is the kind of thing that, that's happening. Our very believing is a result of the power of God. That's as simple as, it, as, as it's put there. Um, it's God's power in us. And if that starts with salvation then why all the problem with the idea of election and predestination when you see this continued all the way through this chapter? And as he prays that they would know it's all the, the, the power of God. Go to Ephesians 1.5, then 1.7, then 1.9, and then 1.11. <laughs> Look at 5. Did I say five first? Yeah. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself. And here it is. According to, or according with, anything else there? You probably have the according, right? The same as I do there. And that's okay. I'm not saying that is wrong at all. I'm just saying sometimes in our English, maybe that according to, and I don't think it, it, it really is going to make a difference to you. But it might. If you, if you were to read uh, on account of, or it's because of the good pleasure of His will. Okay? That's where it all started. It's just 
really clear. Verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. How do we get forgiveness of sins? Well, it's because of what? The riches of His grace. Because of His grace. Because of His good pleasure. It says in 5, because of His grace. In verse 7, how about verse 9? Having made known to us the mystery of His will according to or because of His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. So what do we have? Because of what? His good pleasure, because of His grace, because of His purpose in Himself and His good pleasure. Verse 11, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to, or because of, on account of, by virtue of, what? The purpose of Him who works all things according to, or because of, the counsel of His will. How can you not say that we were elected and predestined before the foundation of the world when Paul has been saying this every verse, constantly supporting this? We cannot deny that, can we? And I think when you see that, and it just multiplies it vastly, what uh, what was done all through his power. Now, Paul's not done with that. Chapter 3, verse 7, of which I became a minister. It's talking about the gospel. I became a minister of that gospel. According to, or because of, or be- on account of, what? The gift of the grace of God given to me by the, what, effective, that's a power word, working of His power. There's three power words there. Effective, which I think is probably energeia. Working, there is dealing with, uh, with is that the uh, krato overcoming there maybe? Of His power, and I'm not so sure, I think that's probably dunamis there. Uh, but it's according to the gift of the grace of God. Uh, there's sovereign grace again, right there, isn't it? it? Just his ministry. Now he's talked about salvation. Now he says the ministry that I have, it wasn't because I just wanted to become obedient and I wanted to do something for the Lord. It was because God gave that to him. It was out of His grace and because of God's effective working power. Power words. Chapter 3, verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to, or because of, or on account of, the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose goes back to Him, goes back to His purpose, Okay. I mean, we had a message this last Sunday in our church that dealt with Jacob and Esau, God's choosing, the scriptures from Romans, all this first few verses in Ephesians was read and explained in a very thorough, convincing manner, wonderful message. As we walked out of church, you heard somebody say, but you know, we have to make the decisions. <laughs> after all that. After all of that. <laughs> what what can you say? If the Word of God can't convince them, what else can you say? Romans and Ephesians. Yeah, and it was all it was all scripturally backed. Uh, examples, words, read this scripture first few verses in Ephesians and used all the right words, predestined, chosen, elect. But you know. But you know. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. This, uh, I can only give a personal example of me and what happened to me. and I think I would challenge anybody to do the same thing. Uh, these verses in Paul's prayer for them in Ephesians. Uh, 
for two years. I prayed that prayer six days a week. Every day I sat down to read the scripture, but I made it personal. They like this. Mm-hmm. I pray that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give me a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened so that I may know what is the hope of His calling or the riches of the glory of His inheritance to me, what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward me who believes. I would challenge anybody every day that they read the Scripture anywhere to pray that prayer for themselves. And I guarantee, uh, and I know it's a result of that, I receive more wisdom and knowledge and revelation of who Jesus is, what he has done, and his plan and purpose for not only me but for the church and everything as a result of that. If you sit down and read the Scripture and don't pray that prayer, you're not asking God to give you something, give you wisdom, give you the knowledge of the revelation of him and his greatness. And I did that six days a week for two years. It, um, and it works. It's real, isn't it? It works. Paul wouldn't have written that. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that way. This was Paul's prayer for the church or... It's for us too, but until you make it personal and you see that and you discern this is what you want, you want the Lord to give, do this for you, it really doesn't have much effect on your life. You know, I'm glad you said that because we could be sitting here saying, yeah, that's for so-and-so over there, that's that's for that guy, uh, that's for her, but uh, I don't, it doesn't work for me. This this wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge and that your eyes be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope, that's for everybody, every single person. Uh, and it comes through his word and it comes through you've got to be seeking him to do that to for you. That's right. And it is. It's very, very personal. And because we have a relationship with God and that's what he wants. And when we know... That that's that's what he wants us to have, and, and it's it's not just um, what um, being selfish. I mean, this is what he wants us to be able to know and experience, and uh, it, it jumps off the page, doesn't it? It doesn't happen unless you seek it. Yeah. It, I mean, you can read the scripture for twenty years and not receive all of what he's wanting, what Paul's praying for us right here. You want wisdom and a revelation and the knowledge of God. And those two things are valuable, invaluable. You can't put a price on them. Would you say that any time that you're reading any any part of uh, Scripture, any passage, that uh, it would be a good thing to, to, to pray, to, to pray this, to... Because otherwise we're relying on our own mind, our own intelligence, and if we it, this this makes us bow down to the the Father of Glory, realizing that hey, this is uh, this is what He wants. I took one day off every week that I didn't pray, that I didn't read. Yeah. What chapter were you reading? Where are you reading in Chapter one, verses uh, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. Take, take that our Lord and you and, and your and put your own pronouns in there. My, me, I. Make it personal. Matter of fact, I've I've heard it said before by one uh, one guy, and he said this: the Bible is a personal love letter to me. When when you know God and and you know you're loved by Him, you love Him. Uh, this is this is personal to us. It's not just for somebody else. It it is for us. I mean, directly from Him to us. Yeah, he didn't just write it to the Ephesians, and we're reading about it. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that we'd we'd be jealous of them if that was just for them and it wasn't for us, wouldn't we? And didn't James say you have not because you ask not? Exactly. And. 
this stuff right here. I mean, this is this is eternal stuff. This is the best stuff, best stuff you can possibly have. You also, uh, if, uh, if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And well, what does that mean? <laughs> You've got to get this word inside of you, because that's the only way we can know it. Draw near to one another. It says right here in James 2, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Let him ask in faith without doubting, and let him doubt, so on and so forth. So, I mean. We generally use that, though, when we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got a question or some situation, and all of a sudden you turn to that and read that verse. Well, if you've been doing it 18 months at a time, you wouldn't have to ask that, maybe. But the the Proverbs is, is chock full of that, too, of, uh, you know, seeking wisdom of God. Seeking. Like, after fine gold and so forth. Always after Him. Well, I think God even gives us that desire to seek after Him. Yeah. Um, but there is a point, I think, when we have to kind of take the Bible to task and say, well, God, I'm going to... I'm going to... I want you to prove this to me. So I'm going to get into it and I'm going to do it. And make be deliberate about it like Ellen's saying and just see what he'll do for you. Just try him. Test him on that. You know, try it. He says that somewhere in Scripture. But just try and see me if I won't show you. Open up the gates. and Well, when he's talking about giving, pouring out blessing and things like that. You know, so. He wants... Us. He wants to give us everything. He wants, us to, he wants to relate to us and us to understand. So really, Paul wrote this, but God wrote it to the Holy Spirit, didn't He? Yeah. yeah. Something else you have to do when you're doing that is lay aside all your preconceived ideas. You're not reading it to prove something that you think's right that somebody told you or to disprove it. You're, you're reading it for him to give you the wisdom and You show me, God. What does this really mean? Yep. Um, go to um, chapter 3 of Ephesians in verse 20. Just This is all going along with what, what we've all been saying here. <laughs> it's all scriptural. Now to him who is able, there's a power word there, to do exceedingly, <laughs> abundantly, <laughs> above, wow, all. Man, every word is like italicized and put in bold print that we ask or think. That sounds like the James passage, doesn't it? According to or because of the power that works in us. Oh, that goes right along with what you guys were talking about. He's, that follows his second prayer in Ephesians, which is uh, 14, 13, 18, yeah. uh, which is almost exactly the same thing as he was praying in chapter 1. For. Sounds like the same words almost, doesn't it? I think there's something to be said about all this. We should be going, wow. We should be totally amazed. If this is really true for me, wow, boy, I can make it through this life. I can do it. How about chapter 4, verse 19? Wait a minute. That's not it. That sure is not it. Uh, it's Philippians. I'm sorry. <laughs> Philippians. Uh, just testing us here. And my God shall supply all your need. According to His riches... Not just some riches, or anybody's riches, or riches or whatever, but His riches, which He owns everything, in glory by Christ Jesus. 
And then after that, how can you say, Now our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> what a prayer there. My God shall supply all your need. Everything you need. Boy, those are great promises to be having in the head. Memorize some of these things and realize. And I think that's probably a verse that many have used for memory verses. <laughs> but to, but to, to thinking... It's better if you've seen it worked out in your life surpasses any head great I can identify right there the same kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah but somehow uh, there was there would and you've always heard about those the money coming into the mailbox I don't know if you had that or there was always something and and it wasn't that you you know you have some kind of savings and you think well okay maybe that'll get us by for you know a few weeks or so and um there was more than enough. There, there really was. It, it, and you can say, wow, God does do that kind of thing. And you hear those stories on and on and on. Of course, George Mueller. You know. I, I saw a car in front of us run, uh, run through a flock of turkeys. And I stopped and picked one of them up. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with it except it was dead. <laughs> it was ready for eating, right? Most hunters wouldn't consider that be a bad thing. You didn't have to shoot it. Well, Elvin likes the turkey kind of dead anyway, so it kind of worked, right? My family came out to eat, though, and my mother said, Well, this is kind of unusual having turkey so close to Thanksgiving, Janet. I'm the largest girlfriend in the world. It is true. When you read the Word and you read it and read it, and then when you experience it, then you put the two together. And, of course, I think Paul is already related to that thing. That's where it really is impacting, and God works that way. Um, and and He will constantly do do things. There's maybe different people work different ways, but um, I'm sure everybody has some kind of story how God works, in it, and it makes that Word even more meaningful than ever, doesn't it? When you know that's real. He was talking about anxiousness, you know, talking about right now and stuff like that. And he says, Christian, we don't have that. We can't get to do that. Be anxious and upset about finances and things. That he, that is not something we get to do. Because you know, so it's so easy for us to do. He's talking about the finances and things that's going on. So God does provide. He does. Be anxious for nothing. Yeah. Well, when you see these passages, it makes you wonder why we do get anxious. <laughs> Yep, convicting. Yeah. Um, so, our, our very believing that we have, and, and we did believe, you know, like the person that said, well, I, made a, I still have to make a decision. Well, the thing is, that very decision or that believing is the result of the power of God. It is God's power in us that we could do that. And that's why he gets all the glory. If it is God doing all this power and he says, okay, now you have to do this part, then we get a little glory too because we can say, yeah, but I did this. And that's exactly what that person said. Whether they said it or not, they were giving a little bit of glory to themselves. But if you were to tell them that, they go, oh, no, no, it's all glory of God. Right? But they'd only think, if you see these passages, I... You don't have to go to all those obvious verses. You just read through Scripture and you see how great God is. It's all glory to Him. Um, He uses an illustration. And it's obvious that what illustration that you'd use about power. How are you going to compare this power? 
What do you you compare it to? Do you compare it to creation? Well, that's a pretty powerful thing. (laughs) He just spoke it and it was there. I mean, what what more kind of power you want? Or he could have gone to the power of what he did at the flood. He could have gone to the power that he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. My, you can think of dozens and dozens of things. The mighty power of God, the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan. Just keep on going through all the Bible stories constantly. And what do you have? We have God's power. What does He use? In verse 20, He uses... Up to date. Volcano and Is that powerful or what? Yeah, absolutely. It shuts the whole... It seems like it shuts the whole nation of, of Europe and all the nations there. Shuts all the flights. <laughs> if only they knew. That's a powerful thing, but there's something, there is someone who is more powerful than that. They're just getting ready today to open up. The sky clear a little bit. They're going to get to fly some, and it blew up again. Oh, really? <laughs> That's interesting. You know, you know what? That makes me think of they showed geese flying through that cloud. It wasn't going to stop them. But I'm saying, you know, God. Little message there, right? God's creation is better than man. A little old man. Well, the the proof positive is the resurrection of Christ, of, of, of this great power. It says in 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's pretty powerful. The proof is a resurrection. And God, what he did, he didn't do this behind closed doors. He did it as a public demonstration where there were witnesses. And we know all about the evidence of the resurrection. And uh, so we have nothing to be embarrassed about as Christians. We should be advertising it out there for all to see about this resurrection. He manifested that the last enemy, which is death, has been defeated. <laughs> and so there's another thing we even have to be anxious about, our death. 19 and 20 says that his power toward us is the same as the power that raised Christ from the dead. Mm-hmm. Is that incredible? Is that incredible? The very same resurrection power is in us. Working in us. Working in us. Everything has been conquered. All of our enemies. Um, go back to Acts 2.24. My, how this evening is going. Are you kidding me? It's 5 to I know it always goes by quick for me here, but I had no idea it was almost over here. Uh, 24. I gave, and I gave you an idea. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Thank you for coming out, Karen. Good to see you again. Go out with power. <laughs> Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. There was no way he was going to be held by death. It wasn't even possible. 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter. Right at the end of that, at verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the the illustration of that power is the resurrection is the ultimate, although you think of all those other ones, and that's mighty power. But that power is working in us. So we need to be aware of this. And we've been... uh, I think there's a sense of wonder sometimes that we just lose. Like when we we did um, the the Easter message, the resurrection uh, message, uh, is dealing with uh, the wonders of it and how sometimes we kind of scoot that off. We think about how great it is around that time of the year but the awe that we should have of, of the resurrection. 
and uh, like a little kid has great wonders about things and we we tend to lose that that sense sometimes we should be amazed at ourselves not what we're doing in it but be amazed at ourselves at what is happening because it's all about God's glory it's his working in us he never stops we may we may think things are stopping we might go months where we think nothing's happening spiritually and it, it looks like a field out in winter time, and there's no growth there. There's nothing happening. Well, I tell you what, God is working underneath, and He's doing something. We, you know, we are lights in the world. Uh, Philippians two fifteen. In the time that we live in, of all that's going on, this stuff was going on back there during the time of Paul. Nothing new here. Two fifteen. Um, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Look at this. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you, what? Shine as lights in the world. Have you thought of yourself as a light in the world? Well, you are. We, sometimes we, we're, we're dim. But you say, is this really true of me? Is this really true of me? Second Corinthians chapter five. We're ready to close it here, but Second Corinthians five. And I had first five verses, but it's 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 about assurance of the resurrection in there and talking about uh, the tent that we're in now, but we're going to be resurrected. But in verse five it says, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who also, oh, by the way, <laughs> has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Spirit works in us mightily as He's working in us. Uh, Philippians 2.13, I read that earlier, but uh, boy, I tell you, you cannot dismiss that verse. It's always ever before me. For it is God who works, there's that working word, in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. That sounds like Ephesians, doesn't it? He's working. He's working in there. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Right at the end of Hebrews, close. Now may the God of peace who brought you up, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a Bible study right there, isn't it? Make us complete in every good work to do His will. It's His working in us that it does that. We've been made by God. We've been fashioned by God. We've been formed by God. And it's all by the power of God for this destiny. Of course, it's all for His glory. And so, why do we study all this? We know that. Well, for one thing, we need to be reminded. But we have enemies. We have things against us. It's the world. It's the flesh. We know the devil. The physical conditions that we have to battle. The habits that we have. We battle those. We struggle against them, and sometimes they create the doubts, and sometimes they say, yeah, but this is really not me. And we say, yeah, this was written personally to you. Think of all the work that's going on in you. And we're called to keep the commandments of God. Here's the grace of it all. It's by all this working in us that we now have the desire to want to please God. So in light of all this assurance... Is this assurance? How can a Christian ever feel insecure? How can a Christian ever feel forsaken by God? He forgot about me. He abandoned me. How can a Christian ever feel powerless? <laughs> when you look at this little section that we just read here, how could you ever feel powerless? And even if you do feel it, that's all it is. It's a feeling because... Theologically, and in reality, there are things happening. Now, if we'd realize that and then, and then have God open us up to that, then how much more of a blessing can we get out of it? 
Or we can rebel and not realize what's going on and really struggle. <laughs> what a great thing that uh, we've been given.